Hi everyone and welcome to the third episode in the British Council of Officers new series called Talking Shop, where BCO members chat to the next generation of industry talent and vice versa. My name is Hannah Buxton and for the next few minutes I'm delighted to be chatting with Claire Bailey, Savile's Commercial Research Director and author of the Affordable Work video which was just launched this July. Welcome Claire and thank you so much for joining us today. I'll dive straight into the questions, if I may. So to start with, can you tell us what inspired you to write the Affordable Office Workplace Report? Um, that's a good question. Um, well, I'm really keen and passionate about the sort of S in ESG. We hear a lot about sort of the environmental impacts, um, what we need to be doing from the, the E side, but the S um, is what I've been writing about a lot, um, especially over the pandemic. Um, I've written a lot about sort of wellness um, and something which has um, really inspired me over the last sort of 18 months and almost sort of kept me going through the pandemic. We had sort of weekly webinars on loneliness within the, the built environment, how we design out um, loneliness within the urban environment. Um, this was in conjunction with Lendlease, um, and a really big report came out of out of it um, at the back end of last year, um, which I was really proud to be part of. Um, and then it seemed like a sort of natural progression, really, to get into affordable workspaces. Um, I write on about offices all the time, um, especially sort of regional offices and trends within um, the office market. And I noticed that there wasn't much written about affordable workspaces and. And as I was writing a lot about and talking a lot about sort of community and collaboration um, and the importance of, um, you know, that sort of you know, keeping the heritage of places, um, you know, how millennials, Gen Z, you know, they love, they love heritage, they love the history um, and they want to be connected. They, they love the idea of community. We're not sort of just big corporates in our ivory towers, but they want the sort of spaces between the places. Um, and it felt like with rents rising as well, especially in central London, um, and the mayor's new London plan to address this, it felt like a great time to start writing about that. Lots has been written over the last 18 months uh, about offices more generally. And how do you see the affordable workspace uh, space evolving over the next few years? I think it's gonna, gonna be a, a big thing. And I think it has been propelled a lot by COVID. Um, and I think we've all realized that working at home is great, but actually we want to be with people, we want collaborative spaces and, and in this bigger um, sphere of offices, um, there's a lot more talk about wellness, um, community, and this is spilling over to the idea of affordable workspaces in, in terms of the startups, the entrepreneurs wanting that smaller space, but as part of a, a bigger community. Obviously there's, there's, there's problems along the way um, in terms of viability, um, but what I think what I bring out in my report is that you know, there's not just one way of doing this. Um, it doesn't just have to be part of a new development. We are now starting to see the, the reuse of um, older buildings. There's lots of space, as we all know now, available and vacant on the market. So it's a great opportunity to use this space um, for startups and entrepreneurs, giving real sort of vitality to communities. And I think we're definitely seeing a change in that. I think it, it gives kudos to developers and um, to local authorities if they are using this space in the best way possible. Yeah, and I guess reusing spaces which might have a history or a heritage mm -hmm. can really help to inspire those who are also working in them rather than a typical kind of glass box yeah, yeah. Um, environment as well. Definitely. I mean, we talk about um, sort of in the wider 
office sphere, we talk about, you know, the idea of wellness and how sort of the bio, biophilia and, um, you know, how older buildings can, um, you know, makes you feel, you know, it helps your mental well-being, etc. And this is no different for, for affordable workspaces. But I think on the plus side, there is a lot um, of these sort of heritage older buildings, whether they be old libraries or uh, working men's clubs. I'm actually sitting in an old working men's club at the moment, which is a, a local affordable workspace um, near my house. Um, and yes, I've actually written about it in the report. Um, and it's beautiful and it's lovely sitting in here. Uh, and I think the more I read about the Gen Z, the millennials, they put so much emphasis on the importance of the environment and the fact that you know, we're reusing um, as well as the, 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 the feeling it has on our mental well-being, etc. I think it's all positive. As, as, a, as a developer or as a, as a local council, as I said, you know, it's great to just to be reusing these buildings. Yeah, I think it's all positive. And, and I think what's coming out of this as well, if you've got, whether it be an old building or as part of a development, you know, it's not just about the space. It's about um, what we're doing with the spaces. You know, it's it's the communication, it's the collaboration and it's you know, the business resources. It's, it's, it's all of that. It's not just about space. And I think that's what we need to get across in, in the idea of affordable workspaces. It's, it's about um, developing people as well um, and, and helping you know, the, the, local, the local people so they don't get, become displaced as well. I think it's really important. And you mentioned um, the conclusion in your report um, quite rightly about how actually the pandemic and homeworking has been really challenging for um, you know some younger uh, members of the workforce maybe living in shared accommodation um or working in their bedrooms and actually not having a change of scene so it's as much about social interaction as it is about being in a stimulating place yeah. and not necessarily spending a working day where you also live and i think that there's even more of an argument then to talk about you know reusing these buildings which actually um provide a space that people really want to go to because i I think what we've learned is that um, we need to create spaces that people look forward to going to and, and want to leave the house to go to. And there's no better place, I think, than a building which has a history behind it or a certain element of character or just encourages you to look around, walk around, um, engage with the local area as well. And I think as well, oh, I'm just not off that point, it's great to engage with the heritage of the building, but I think we mustn't forget that we need to engage with the local people as well. And I think that's what makes it successful. For example, um, Peckham Levels is an example I use. And um, that's an old disused car park in Peckham, which has um, completely been revamped to, um, Putting work, they put maker space and offices. They've got retail, um, you name it. But it's it's all been in collaboration with the local people, so it doesn't feel like a them and us. And I think that's what's really important as well with with this kind of space. That probably leads us quite on quite nicely to the next question about opportunity, hmm. which I guess can come in plenty of different ways. But how can developers, investors, landlords, or anyone understand the opportunity, the opportunities within a formal workspace as a solution as opposed to a problem? I think there's a number of different um, ways to look at this here. I think from, from a developer perspective, I think the fact that someone like Bruntwood um, or Argent or the big developers are talking now about putting in this space, regardless of the fact that they don't have to do it. it I was talking to them outside of London, sort of regional cities where you know, they haven't got the, the, the specifics of the London plan and they're saying, well, actually, we want to put in this space. We want to give um, our developments vitality. Um, we want to give that collaboration space. We want to be able to 
help startups and then hopefully they'll they'll continue through the through the development as they grow and they'll stay with us um and i think it's becoming um almost a given now that that new developments want to have this space because um you know it adds something um but i think looking at what's already been happening here in, in London. I think International House is a great example in Brixton, again, which I've referenced in the report. Um, it's a great example, and I hope this continues to happen um, much more. Um, it's the largest at the moment, the largest example of formal workspace in the UK. Um, but up until early 2018, it was used by 600 of Brixton's council staff. Um, but after they were relocated, the, the building stood empty. Um, and they wanted to obviously keep it and, and, and keep that building, its heritage, um, you know, it really added something to the area. Um, but what the council's done, and I think this is what more councils need to be doing, um, it's now managed by a provider called Three Space, um, and it's operated on a buy-give-work model, which is, is effectively, you know, some floors are um, reduced rent, some are given away for free, and, and some are... Um, you know, your normal rent. So there's a mix there. So it enables the whole local environment to benefit. Um, we're not seeing that displacement. Um, and it's also given back to the, the economy. And I think, you know, we talk about, um, you know, the money that's, that the landlords get through rent, but actually there's a lot of money that comes back through actual, you know, the social side of things and the, the actual, um, that sort of economic um, growth as well. So, you know, it's been really successful and it's a it's a real great model that, that hopefully we're going to see uh, more and more councils doing as we go forward. It's, it's an alternative to that um, adding 10%, which is sort of average now for um, a new development within London, which developers don't, at this point, don't, don't always see the value. Um, and often it's not the right kind of space as well. Um, if you've got a large development, which is very corporate led it might not be the right space for some charity or creative so actually using a building nearby which is heritage building um can often add add much more and be much more attractive and and cheaper in the long run as well so you mentioned rents um which which brings me on to the next question in the report you write about um the affordability gap in mm. london and um you know the SME budgets and yeah. um, the which might be a hindrance. So, what are the best ways in which we can try to reduce the afford affordability gap in London and attract more SMEs um, to the affordable workspace? Well, I think um, the whole use of secondhand sort of the, the heritage or the, the secondary buildings um, is, a, is a sort of given now. That's one of the ways to do it. Well, I think we have to see councils and local authorities as real change makers here. They have to be, you know, they have a lot of empty buildings. You know, a lot of them aren't always on top of, you know, what's available in their portfolio. You know, they need to sit down, work out um, what they've got available um, and work out what they can do with it. Because, you know, if they can let out this space on a, on a peppercorn rent, um, it will enable so many more creatives to actually, um, or uh, makers or um, charities to actually come within this space and, and add a vibrancy um, and a growth to these local areas. Um, the Ray and Farrington is another great example. That was let on a peppercorn rent. Um, and that's been really successful. Um, it's enabled um, 
it's enabled startups and creatives to come into that space, but it's affordable. And I think the other thing is, if you're going to do the 10% of a development, you have to talk to your um, the providers early. You have to get the right provider as well. You have to get the provider that works. If you're looking, um, whether it be artists, you need to get a provider that understands that sort of market, or if it's gonna be fashion, you need to get that right sort of provider so they know how to tap into the right people. Um, and, and, and it's gotta be very much, um, every situation is different. And I think we can't just have a blanket approach to this. It's gotta look at each development or each um, older building um, as a case on its own because I think going in there saying it's got to be 10% and it's got to be at this level it's never it's not going to work because what works in Southwark isn't going to or what works say in Peckham whether it's going to be um, cheaper anyway isn't going to work in Southwark and you're not necessarily going to attract the same kind of people. Yes and, and in the in the report with the help of Cal it also touches on the fact that you know, previously regarded as maybe affordable mm. um, areas in London have actually seen the co-working rates skyrocket. So actually, yeah, yeah. even if a SME wants to have a really flexible um, office, they're priced out of, of yeah. what, you know, a couple of years ago would have been affordable because these, yeah. these areas become so attractive. I think, so I now, think that's what... Sorry, I was going to say, hopefully that's what came out in the beginning of the report, um, very much that I think, I think this is you know, why the London plan has come about, because what was once a fringe location and much, much cheaper just doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I know Cal, um, Cal's quote in there sort of explains this, that you know, co-working spaces and affordable are quite similar in the sense of they're, they're flexible, um, they have that sort of same top target audience, but actually a lot of SMEs, um, a lot of startups, lots of entrepreneurs cannot afford the the rents, um, yeah, the, the, the rents which are being asked um, of the flexible space. So that the affordable needs to come in there um, in certain areas which are completely priced out now. It needs to, you know, be at a rate that will encourage people because otherwise they may just choose to work from home for a few months longer yeah. than they would have or you know use use coffee shops but yeah yeah they they need space to really kind of foster collaboration and um help help to train junior um, yeah. staff as well mm -hmm. which which you can't necessarily do as well if you are remote on video calls you don't get the learn by osmosis that we know that you get when you're around each other and i think it's okay being independent but i think you know often you'll have a um you might just be like a one-man band that's starting out or two people you know they want to be with other people as I say it's not just about the space but it's what the space can offer in terms of business development or collaboration and that must you know come back to all of the work that you're doing at the moment about um loneliness you know you may be just one or two people in a company but actually you may also want to actually <laughs> meet other like-minded yeah. and actually interact with people rather than necessarily spending every day potentially on your own. Exactly, exactly. And I think we talk very much about productivity has been up since people have been working from home, but actually um, everything I've read is saying that innovation is actually down. So you need to be in an environment which creates innovation and that's that's face-to-face, -face, that's those serendipitous moments. And, you know, we're coming back and we talk, it's been talked about a lot in the press, but you know, it, it, and for a reason, because, you know, we need that to actually, um, you know, innovate and be creative. And, and especially if you are in a creative company, um, 
or an artist or or um you know what fashion whatever it may be you need to all be together to actually actually come up with these ideas and the other thing is with them um, sort of make the, the the maker space often you need this really expensive machinery so you want to have a place where you can go and use this um and there's, there's somewhere local to me actually which is now trying to get the um meanwhile use um, of an old pub and turn it into a maker space and, and actually buy the equipment so that people can go in there and use it because you know that those are sort of things that you know, entrepreneurs and these startups they need and that's what brings them to certain parts of, of um, the UK I think. So just looking beyond London now how do you see um, the affordable workspace panning out from more of a global perspective? Well it's very, very um, timely actually to say that because I've just written an article um, for Impacts, um, our, our um, flagship uh, world research um, magazine uh, which will come out mid-September um, and what I found by digging into sort of global story is that it's the same everywhere every key city um, has has this need to house if you like um, SMEs creatives you know, and, and they realize the importance of this space and and I think what's interesting is that we're all sort of tackling it in different ways um, you know, there's San Francisco, for example, it's very much driven by the private sector and it's the private sector that is actually sort of hosting these spaces. Whereas you've got space places like um, Lisbon, for example, it's very much government led. Um, and a lot of the money which is generated goes back into their, <laughs> their economy um, for the social services, for example. So, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways to do it. And um, meanwhile, space um, is really big across Europe as well, not just London. I know we've got a lot of empty spaces which are, are, are used for meanwhile space, um, but this is happening all over Europe. Um, there's a really famous one actually you might have heard of in Paris, which is an old hospital, and that's been used over the last sort of, two or three years. It, it was a really rundown area. Um, this, this huge hospital has just been laying derelict, turned into workspaces, retail spaces, had events there, um, and it's completely brought the area up. Um, but I think I call my report a solution, not a problem, because I didn't want to be negative because I don't think it is a negative thing. I think cities um, globally are being really proactive about what they're doing. And I think um, especially with the sort of ESG agenda, um, there's, there's so many opportunities to, to reuse older buildings. Um, there's a real push for community and collaboration. And this is an ideal um way of doing it you know I just think councils local governments um the private sector as well they all need to work together and you know really push um for this change because at the end of the day I think young people want to keep that history the urban fabric of of areas like Peckham I think that's a great example you know, from a social sustainability point of view I think somewhere like International House or um, Peckham Levels or um you know what they're doing in Paris or, or, or Lisbon and or, or very much buying into that and I, and I hope going forward that's what um, we're going to see more of. Definitely an exciting space to watch both yeah. in London yeah. and globally mm -hmm. like you say and I think given what the shake-up of, of working practices and and the approach to space in the last 18 months you know, there's kind of no better time to look at how we can meet you know, um, our ESG principles through mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. and continue to attract 
young talent to these spaces, be it in London or any other city, and foster innovation, like you say, um, that, you know, potentially we're not, we haven't seen from remote working as mm. well. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that sums it up perfectly. Well, those all the questions that I had. So that was really fantastic and um, will help everyone um, have a better insight into the report as well, here, just hearing you talk about it and um, the inspiration behind it. So thank you so much for joining us today on behalf of the BCO. You're welcome. <laughs>